0: Welcome to the RIPE Labs podcast. I'm Alan Davies, the RIPE Labs editor, and in each of these episodes, I'll be talking to people from all across the technical community
1: about the work they do to keep the internet running. Internet governance organisations should really be working together to try and keep it together. Otherwise, we'll end up
2: with regional networks. It'll just end up happening and it'll be too late. We need to start thinking in that practical space about what can change and how can we drive that change. In May this year, a paper was published by the Tony Blair
0: Institute for Global Change under the title, Revitalizing Global Internet Governance. In the paper, it's argued that the organizations that form the internet governance ecosystem, including the RIPE NCC as one of the regional internet registries, are failing to rise to a whole range of new problems that the modern internet has created. The paper then goes on to lay out a number of steps these organizations should take in order to revitalize their crucial role in maintaining a global, interoperable Internet. The author of the paper is journalist and Internet governance expert Kieran McCarthy. Kieran very kindly agreed to join us at the recent ICANN 74 meeting in The Hague to talk more about his views. And to make things even more interesting, we were joined by my colleague Chris Bockridge advisor to the RIPE NCC Managing Director on issues of global strategic engagement, a member of the IGF's multi-stakeholder advisory group. Here's Kieran kicking things off with an overview of the paper.
1: Broadly, the idea of the paper was to look at what needs to change within Internet governance, Internet governance organizations. And the sort of nexus of it was there seems to be a lot going on. We've got a bit of a split with the U.S. and the EU and then countries like China and Russia are kind of battling over new laws and new approaches over how the Internet should function. And so clearly everybody's recognizing there's a problem here, and then what are the solutions? And so what I did fundamentally was I went to all the reports that Internet governance organizations, and by that I mean everyone from the IGF, which is sort of close to governments, all the way up to sort of root server operators with the RARs in the middle and ICANN and W3C and ITF, so on and so forth was I looked at all the reports that have been written over the last 10 years about what we need to do, and there's been a lot of them. And so the the idea was, let's find out what these organizations are telling themselves they need to do, and then I dug into what changes have they made and what changes are they they still complaining they haven't made yet, and then try to figure out why is that. Why Why are they not able to make the changes that they're recognizing that they need to make, and then try and find... A path through. So what I did was I read a lot of those reports and they're, they're pretty extensive and then I built some ideas about what I thought might work uh, and then I spoke to a whole bunch of people that have been in the field for a long time and I sort of outlined my ideas and then they gave me a lot of useful feedback, told me what they thought was a good idea or a terrible idea, what would work and not work, where my entire mindset was wrong, which is often within the case of the internet. You sort of you end up looking at things in a certain way, and then particularly in the technical world, they say, no, you're looking at it completely wrong. So then, so then I did that, and then I spoke to a lot of people, tweaked the ideas and went back again and spoke to people, and then wrote, what is my version of what I think is going to work? It won't be what, in any way what ends up happening, but I thought at least it will start a conversation to sort of what needs to happen here or what could theoretically make, make these changes that everybody is pointing to occur.
0: Okay, so in the paper, this is where we get into these four ideas about what needs to change, what needs to happen.
1: Yeah, so what I I came up with, because it's still a paper, you still have to come up with bullet points, no one wants to read a a discourse, Uh, I came up with sort of um, four main things. One was there needs to be um, a more formal coordination, body, function, whatever, between Internet governance organizations. I think it's fair to say that that this used to just happen naturally. You know, 20, 30 years ago, everyone knew one another, and there wasn't so much of of a sort of separation between these organizations. And everyone would talk to one another, and they'd coordinate. But there's never been a function that has pulled that together. And I think everyone keeps talking about silos and needing to coordinate a bit more and so on and so forth. And that is absolutely true. But there isn't any form of body to do that. And so that was the main one, that there needs to be some kind of coordination function. And the same thing, which I sort of tied together, was a lot of external organizations, governments and, and business, are seeking answers from Internet governance organizations about problems that they have. Everything from AI, cybersecurity, Internet takedowns, they're constantly reaching out to the technical community to say, what do we do about this? And there's no one to say, this is what we think you should do. And even just saying that, you can hear people in internet governance organizations recoiling. Well, of course, we're not going to tell governments what we think they should do. But governments are asking, what would work? And so I think there's there's a space there for the technical community to at least come across with one voice and one face and say, we think this is what the parameters of how you approach this problem that you're worried about. Right now, there's nothing that can do that. And then the other thing is there's, there's constant priorities and strategies and everything within all these organizations, and they're not really coordinated. And the sort of public comments, there'll be a public comment opening in ICANN. We're at the ICANN meeting in The Hague. There'll be a public comment period. There'll be 10, probably, opening this week. And there'll be another five in RIPE, and there'll be another two next, There'll be one, uh, 10 at IETF. There's no coordination of, of any of that. And if you are an outside party that wants to know about, oh, this part of the Internet I'm interested in, it really is very hard to find out where to go and who to talk to and what's going on. So that was, that's the first one. There needs to be some kind of coordination body. The second one was there's all of these reports were themselves a problem. There's literally hundreds of recommendations now for how they, these the organisations can improve, written by people within the organisations themselves. ICANN is a, is probably the best example. They have literally hundreds of recommendations, uh, and it's the same's happened the ITF, the same has happened the IAS. We've got all of these all of these reports, but the people that produce reports tend to be inside the community as well, and there is a certain lack of self awareness looking at it from the outside and saying that oh, this is. I think these are your flaws. There's people have a sort of vested interest in in what those conclusions are. So um, the second recommendation that I sort of put in there was to get an independent action review body, not to decide anything, but to look at what has happened and then to go back on it and then put professional eyes on it and say, oh, this could have been done this way, or look at six different processes. This is how to improve this process. And there is the skill set out there. And the skill set is not, there's not a lot of that skill set within internet governance organizations. They're mostly engineers. Uh, And I know engineers can engineer their way out of most problems, but there is a skill set that is reviewing things and looking at processes and figuring out how to improve them. Governments and big corporations long ago figured out we should have some form of independent body, um, you know, sort of auditors or reviewers to figure out how to do this better. And I really think the, the internet community would really benefit from looking at itself a little bit more and having an independent body. And so long as they don't have authority or so long as they don't drive discussions, uh, I think that would be an incredibly useful thing. Uh, the third one was um, the Internet Governance Forum. So um, everyone that I spoke to felt that the Internet Governance Forum is actually very useful. Um, and uh, it's been there for a long time, and, it's, and the UN's getting behind it. The Secretary General basically sort of uh, agreed it needs to be a little bit more decision-making. Everyone agrees it does good work. So the question is, what do you do? And my thinking was, the internet community should simply get behind it and say, Yeah, the IGF serves a useful purpose. We should support it and support this decision-making role, however you want to see that. So. My thinking is the thing that the IGF can really do well is it pulls in a lot of people, and they have big discussions about issues that are far outside the technical remits of most of the the government's bodies. And they do, it's a little bit messy, but they have quite good discussions. And I think the IGF would be in a really good place to recognize issues that need to be addressed, that aren't being addressed, and to frame them in a way where they could be addressed, and then kind of put it out to the community. This is a really important issue. We're going to frame it this way. We think you should give us feedback on what you think about these aspects. And that would be an opportunity for everybody to put in their input and literally start addressing gaps in internet governance that everybody knows about. But if you've got somebody that can piece it together, frame it up, then you can have a discussion that moves things forward. So that was my sort of third recommendation, is like get behind the IGF and Do what the IGF does, which is recognize these other issues. And then the last one was um, expanding uh, participation in a real way and also dealing with what's a polite way of saying legacy people. There is a lot of people in the internet governance world, and we all know why they're there because these were the guys that built the internet. And we all know that these guys did an incredible job. And we all know that there was a lot of pressure for the internet as we know it not to exist you know, it's going to go the telco way. And, and, uh, you know, it's a great story. I mean, it's an incredible, you know, world changing story, the internet exists in the way that it exists. But a lot of those people are, st- are st- stuck now in those organizations, they're in sort of unelected roles, and they move around. And I know why they're there. They're trying to defend the original ethos. But the truth is that they are out of date. And they've got fixed mindsets. It's the same story with every industry is that people don't move along and they get out of date. And there's a lot of people that are that have fixed mindsets that aren't useful and aren't recognizing the current internet the way it really is. And that's causing problems. And it's not me just making this up. It's literally, if you read in the reports, all the times that people have complained that say we need to make this change, and it hasn't changed, it's been because people are uncomfortable with the change. And there's people pushing the change, and there's people blocking the change. And it's because it's different, and it's a big shift, and it worries people. Uh, But then, so that's the sort of a, it's a slightly negative thing, but it's just life. And then the more positive aspect is there needs to be a broader participation. The truth is, if we're all being honest with ourselves, that we're not bringing in a younger generation, not bringing in all the exciting things that are happening on the Internet, Those people are not turning up at the meetings. It's just the truth. Um, There's a gender disparity. There is a um, racial disparity. It's still, that's the truth, is is that it's still mostly middle-aged white men in the Internet governance organizations. That's just the reality of it. And why is that? Well, lots of reasons why. But what needs to happen is it needs to be opened up properly and you need to have to want those people not say, well, now I've done this thing, and now they'll come in. It doesn't well doesn't work like that. There needs to be proper, open participation to allow people to want to come in and want to contribute, and then for them to be listened to. Now, that is very vague, but it's very hard to pinpoint in each case what needs to happen. But there needs to be a mindset shift to, like, we must have more of these people in, younger people, people that are not from the same backgrounds. Uh, to, to basically stay on top of the current internet as it goes into the future. So that's the breakdown of of what the report argues for.
0: Okay, and, and more generally through the paper, uh, an interesting point you raise is that there tends to be a certain defensive attitude amongst these organizations It's maybe preventing them from addressing some of the problems that you highlight.
1: It, yeah, there, there is a defensiveness. There's a... There's a there's even par- a level of paranoia. And I understand why. Um, if anyone went through the WISIS process, when the UN basically realized the Internet was extremely important, said, okay, we need to put some better governance around this. This was, what, 2003, 2005. And um, and the UN, because if the UN decides something, if governments decide something, that's that's the world that you live in. So there was this big fight, uh, and it worked out kind of the right way, in which you know they would try to impose the old order on the internet, and quite rightly, internet governance organisations said it's not going to work. You know, the reason the internet works is because of these different style of making decisions, because of this lack of de- of central control. And it was true. The ar- and they won the argument. I mean, it was a big argument. There was a lot of battle scars around it, but I feel now that. The internet has changed, and the world has changed, and people are still resorting to this almost protectionism. We can't let business in. We can't let governments in. And the truth is that the internet is now wildly different. And it's not about letting in or not letting in. It's about making the internet work. So there is a level of defense. And every time I was, and this is not me, I was looking at the reports and people saying, we should do this, we should do that and each time the counter-arguments to them uh, basically come from defensiveness. If you read through why people said, no, we shouldn't do this, it basically comes back down to they're trying to assert control. It's a level of paranoia about control. Now, my argument is how do you move forward with it. Um, you move forward with it by the Internet technical community recognizing What it is and how it works, and sort of solidifying that. So, I looked at trying to look back in the past of this, and there's two I picked out two good examples, one of which will make everybody's eyes roll, which was the ITU, which is, you know, the big bogeyman in this world. Um, But the ITU started out as the, the International Telegraph Union, you know, and it's been through three revolutions of technology. And the reason it's still there and still functional is is they clumped together and they kept changing through time. So there's three strands of the ITU, and they have very different cultures, but they work together as a whole. And then there's the IAEA, which is the the, um, Atomic Energy Agency, and they have two very different cultures. One is extremely open. They deal with nuclear energy. One is extremely open because the theory is People need to know how nuclear energy works, you know, and the the dangers around it. And then there's the other strand, which is how do we make sure countries aren't building their own nukes, which is extremely secretive to the point that governments don't get to know what's going on until the information comes out at the end. These two cultures live within the same organization. And the important thing is the ITU and the IEA got to design their own approach. They said this is how we work the nuclear, I mean, nuclear energy and telecommunications. This is how we work. This is how we've reached decisions. This is how we want to do things. And I think the Internet governance world has an opportunity to design itself and say this is how we, the Internet works and then put itself there and formalize it a little bit so that um, that becomes the future. Um, And it would be, the thing is, when everyone hears that or the conversations that I had people immediately thought oh, I don't want to be like the ITU but the fact is you wouldn't be you would design your version of how it works which is a decentralized power base that's the great thing about internet governance organizations they by design don't allow anybody to have too much power so that's what you design and I think there should be discussions around how you make that more solid while recognizing that the multi-stakeholder model and all those parts around it is very messy and difficult, but figure out how to improve it and then solidify it a little bit, and then that could become the future of how the internet is designed. Because right now, it feels like it's slipping away. You've got the you know the, the China and Russia are coming up with new designs for the internet. You know China's new IP and Russia is locking down, and then you've got the EU which is producing more and more legislation uh, which is causing havoc on some levels and then you've got the US which is very much pushing the free market approach and they're clashing and I think internet governance organizations should should really be working together to try and keep it together otherwise we'll end up with regional networks it will just end up happening and it'll be too late okay that's great thank you for laying
0: out the whole position for us and uh, now let's turn to Chris Chris As someone who works for the RIPE NCC, and as a member of the IGF's multi-stakeholder advisory group, what's your reaction to the arguments put forward here?
2: Right, thanks. Um, I really enjoyed the the piece. I really enjoyed reading it. I think, in many ways, it's a piece designed to trigger someone who's working in an organization like the RIPE NCC. And there were two questions that you opened with, Kieran, in the the, um, document, which is, is the unique decentralized system that's nurtured the internet so far losing its salience? And then even more triggering, are the organizations that govern the internet at risk of losing their legitimacy and global authority um, over the world's most critical resources? And I think those are really questions that strike at the heart of what we're doing. Um, and I, you, you described the process um, in pulling from all these reports. And I think it's clear, you know, these are not ideas that aren't out there, but I think it, it's really useful to pull them together in the way that you have and look at where we are. Now, I mean, coming from RIPE NCC, and um, we mentioned the sort of the, the defensiveness of some of our organizations in this space, and, and I'm, I, th- I think defensiveness is not what I'm going for in my response here, um, but I do think, I, I recognize also that there have been efforts and I think it's useful for the audience in this podcast, the RIPE community, Um, to get a sense of those efforts and how they line up with this sort of thesis that you're bringing here, Kieran. Um, So I mean, for that, I go back as far as um, RIPE has its cooperation working group. So, you know, that's going back to like 2008, I think, um, where there was this recognition, okay, we need to work more broadly. We need to sort of bring in stakeholders from government, from other parts of industry that aren't necessarily our, our core membership. And that worked for a while. I think it, it's, it's had very positive outcomes and it's still going along very strongly. But it didn't sort of stop the, the transition. It didn't sort of say, okay, th- we're done now. We can, we can move on. Um, and I think we've seen more recently a number of discussions in the community that are reflecting this sort of zeitgeist of, hang on, we need to think about what comes next, how this looks down the line. Um, there was a ripe accountability task force Um, which coming out of the IANA stewardship transition, there was a lot of that focus and that discussion of how are these organisations structured, where is their accountability, and I think RIPE had a really healthy discussion of that amongst itself. Um, But then even two RIPE meetings ago, I was discussing in the cooperation working group some principles for RIPE and how that would look. At the last RIPE meeting, there was a, a session on properties of today's and tomorrow's internet, what do we want from our networking protocols, which really turned into this discussion of, okay, going forward, it's all going to look different. What do we need to retain from the RIPE approach? You know, what what needs to be carried forward, even as the technology changes around us, as the governance structures change around around us? What are the sort of core practical principles that we actually need, we believe, should be carried through into that process? I think, yeah, they're discussions that are ongoing, and it's why this is really useful. Now, I think it's also useful because when we look at something like WISIS, and I'm, the example I want to h- give here is um, the WISIS forum happened a couple of weeks ago, and there was a, a session on the WISIS plus 20. So WISIS happened 2003 to 2005. There was a WISIS plus 10 in 2015, a WISIS plus 20 coming in 2025. These are the sort of key UN events in this internet governance space. Um, and one of the sort of think, celebrated elders of, of internet governance in the last 20 years, Yanis Karklins, um, former MAG chair and a, a, a diplomat, um, was saying the time has come to retire the format. Things have changed too much between 2003 and where we are now in terms of what the internet is, what it means for society what its governance needs to look like, it, it's time for a reset, not for, a, we can't evolve this process, we need to actually stop and start again and think, what what is this gonna look like? Um, and one of the really key points he made was, in looking at something, uh, some of the work going on in the UN at the moment, um, and for instance, there's discussion of a new global digital compact as like a sort of governance agreement that the UN will reach next year it's still very much based on principles. What's needed is actual operationalization of those principles. Um, and, and that's, I think, where Kieran's paper is a really useful step to say, yeah, this is what one operationalization of those principles might look like. Um, it will change. There will be more discussions. There will be uh, other, other aspects that come in. Um, but we need to start thinking in that practical space about what can change and how can we... Drive that change, because yeah, there are other forces trying to drive change. We probably don't agree with where they would like to drive it to, so as a community as a as internet stewards, we need to take some proactive um direction in in driving this as well but that is happening at least in some places, right,
0: so I'm thinking of uh, fairly recent efforts to push back against the NIST2 directive, uh, for example. Um, The RIPE NCC was very much involved in those efforts, and this may well end up being a real win for the technical community. Um, So with that kind of case in mind, are you on the whole maybe more optimistic that these kinds of efforts are being coordinated and that they do yield successful results?
2: I think there have been some really positive examples recently of of organisations like the RIPE NCC engaging with governments and and being able to, being heard, having, you know, getting across the the principles and the the ideas and saying, and governments reacting and saying, okay, we get it, we need to change tack a little bit here. Um, There have been other examples of that not being so successful, where we've said to governments, that's a bad idea and it's continued anyway. Um, I think more holistically, the fact that there are all of these that that, that keeps coming up, that there are so many examples where we're either successfully or unsuccessfully trying to convince governments to go one way, highlights that governments are doing this. That it, that it's a really dynamic space, and that they are taking um, active efforts to to drive things. So I think that's kind of where something like what Kieran's talking about with uh, uh, bodies that could help with the coordination or with the review um, of, of approaches or pol- uh, policies could be useful. I, my my reservation with that is is to say simply that where one of the challenges that we've identified is the complexity of these processes and the slow movingness and the lack of enthusiasm maybe for, from sort of participants. If we're talking about adding new structures to that, new processes, we absolutely need to be thinking about where do we carve that off elsewhere? Where do, how do we end up with not a more complex process? I mean, it's going to be complex. It's a, it's a complex global ecosystem. But how can we make it more um, user-friendly, to put it in, in internet terms. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, the third recommendation that Kieran makes there is helping the IGF to be a better forum for uh, identifying these gaps. I'd probably elevate that a little bit. I think if we can get the IGF doing that in a really effective way and really operationalizing that multi-stakeholder approach um, there, then, yeah, the, the structures that might be necessary for review or for coordination might be more lightweight. Um, and that would be that would be a good outcome. Good. Okay. Going back just one step, that point
0: that introducing yet more bodies into this whole ecosystem would make things even slower and even more complex does seem to be a fair concern in light of some of the
1: ideas in your paper, Kieran. I, I I see why people think that, and I think it's because it's a predominantly engineer mindset. So the way I see these bodies is not engineering bodies, but people that are pulling in information from the organizations that are doing their job and making it readily accessible to everybody. Um, you know we're at this ICANN meeting and they resolved a really important thing about in, uh, IGOs and being able to stop uh, websites using their names the the report is is almost unreadable it's 42 pages and no one but no one's going to read it But I know that you can boil that down into something that everybody will grasp and go, oh, good, that organization sorted out this problem. And that's how I see see it sitting, not even on top, but just simply pulling in the information and pushing it out to other people. Um, I think the review body, I mean, people worried about, whenever I outlined this idea to the people I spoke to, they worried about it having authority. It's always, the concern is always with the internet, which is what makes the internet unique, is decentralized control. And even now, the truth is, which is what everybody, I think, feels, is that most people don't grasp that the Internet works because there isn't control. It's a very hard thing for people to get their heads around, and this is what separates Internet engineers from everybody else, especially engineers who know that if you want to propagate a change, you can't just decide what's going to happen, and that's why we have these convoluted and complex processes if the internet doesn't work like that and the truth is most people in the world outside this world have a hard time grasping that uh, and you need to get that concept across to people um, if you were to have a but the problem is that some of the processes I think we can all agree are not great uh, and a review body or a, what are they yeah sort of after action review which by the way after action reviews happen across the world in the Corporations run them all the time to improve, everybody from retail through to defense contractors. Something happens, they make a decision, they move on with their business, and then they get and they look back at it and say, how could we have done this better? What should we do next time? Did we make a similar decision to this before? How do we improve that? The, the Internet Governance Organization haven't reached the level of maturity where they recognize it's useful to have a body do that and come back to them and say, hey, you should think about doing it this way. The other thing with that review body is, is ICANN is, is the most, but definitely the ITF, definitely the RIRs. Um A lot of time is spent what Vince Serfius called navel-gazing, you know, looking at how we are doing, an enormous amount of time. ICANN is taking up the most amount of time looking at itself. Uh, every single body within ICANN has its own review, which happens every three years, I think. It's an enormous amount of time and effort is tied up with looking at yourself. And what should really happen is give that to someone else to do and then let the organization get on with the work that it's doing and have another organization whose, whose main interest is getting the organization to work better, feed that back in. And then I think that could free up an enormous amount of time. I think it will end up being more efficient done properly I mean it would be it's not easy it's not you know you kind just wave a magic wand but done properly I think it would free up uh, this or sort of community's time and a little bit of their mental space like how do we improve this here's this group of people that do it for a living they say you should try this you try it it works great let's do that and then you learn to sort of
2: update yourself for the internet that exists I like the optimism of "you tried, it works, great, move forward." <laughs> um, I, no, and I, th- I think there is a lot, a lot of common sense here. Um, I, and I think one element or one outcome of that navel gazing and that sort of focus on ourselves and on our processes—it's probably one of the big factors in preventing more people coming into the process and and joining. Because if you're a young person or any person, you don't have to be young. If you're someone coming into this space and three days out of a four-day meeting is spent sort of talking about how the organisation runs itself, it's not necessarily going to be relevant or you're not going to see the relevance to the the broader landscape and to the internet. Um, and, I mean, that comes back to that legacy participant point. I mean, I think there shouldn't need to be a focus on how do we dislodge or move people who've been there a long time. If you've got the right influx of people coming in to take an active interest, that that will happen naturally, it will happen organically. Um, I think the bigger issue here is that we don't, in many of these organizations, have a really reliable influx of the next generation. And I think we're all, ripe, RIPE NCC included, but I know ICANN's doing a lot of this, I know the other RIRs do, working on how we can get new people in, working on how we can build the diversity or expand the diversity of our communities. And it's a really existential question but I do think there are, there are always going to be challenges where you talk about a review body that brings in information, brings in sort of the expertise of, of people, but there is always the other direction as well. There is, there is always going to be a point where if that review committee or if that coordination committee is to have any impact, it's also gonna have to have some outward sort of direction or saying, that's a bad idea, don't do that, or you should really start doing it this, this way. And yeah, I think there is an argument that maybe there needs to be a little bit more of that but it is sort of counterintuitive and it, to, to the way that the internet operates and to that sense of um, autonomy that exists there. There's a, there's a certain amount going on now where
1: internet governance organisations are still solving intractable problems from the past and working very hard on them. And I think the problem with the participation element, and a lot of people, a lot of people put a lot of effort into this. It's not like people aren't working hard at this; they are. Um, but it tends to be like, hey, you know, young people come in and we'll tell you how to fix these problems we've been fighting over for ten years. And actually, what they really want is that you have to say, what do you want to talk about? What problems do you want to solve? And that's how you get new people in. You don't say. Come in and uh, let us tell you all about this fight we've been having for five years. And then you can sit there and listen to me argue with someone else that I've been arguing with for five years. So Five years is generous, like 20 years. And really, that's not how you get participation. Come and watch me argue the same argument again. Now, a lot of the energy in the Internet world is not in these organizations. The energy is in blockchain. The energy is in artificial intelligence. Really, what you... You need to be, need, people need to be on top of what is new and what is current. And that's how you pull people in. That's what's exciting. Not arguing about stuff that has already been settled and we're now tweaking. There's a lot of very small tweaks that take a long time. And that is not going to pull in a lot of new people. And the other thing is that those tweaks are fine. The truth is, the internet, the current internet network, works extremely well. I mean, the pandemic was evidence of that. I mean, it was extraordinary that millions of us switched over to this massive, heavy bandwidth thing overnight, and the internet didn't fall over. Now, logically, if you think, if any other situation, like you watch what happened to the supply chain issues or food, they all fell apart, and we're still dealing with it, even though the pandemic impacts have sort of been broadly dealt with, the internet just Kept going. So the internet as designed has worked fabulously well. Uh, but we're spending a lot of time arguing over tweaking the fabulously good network and not enough time looking at what is coming down the pipeline, which is uh, the political components of this, and uh, which is think the new technologies. Artificial intelligence, we should be having, there should be artificial intelligence groups within each internet governance organization. We're doing a lot with DNS abuse, for example. Uh, there should be a whole AI component. If you had people really rooted into AI in this world, they'd be saying, oh, well, you can do this and that will make that'll solve this and that'll solve that. You know, if you have the, the different mindsets, blockchain, I mean, I think it was I can put up a, a a paper about blockchain, which they basically say, oh, we don't we don't like this at all. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that think this is really, really useful technology and taking it very seriously. There will be a component in blockchain which is massively useful for the work that internet governance organizations do. So you should find out what it is, not by looking at it and saying, I don't like it, but by pulling those people in and saying, and getting them to focus their attention on making the internet work. And I don't think it's a hard push. Because the Internet is, is in every part of our lives right now. So if you can say, oh, use your skills and knowledge and make the next generation of the Internet, I think you'd have a lot of energy and a lot of people coming in. And I think it would be exciting. I remember when I started attending meetings, that the energy was remarkable and the arguments were remarkable and the people were very brilliant. And now it feels like quite dull You know, it it does. I hate to say it, but you go to the meetings and it's dragging. They drag on and it doesn't feel like you're solving very much. That wasn't how it used to be. It used to move because you had stuff to do. Um, And I think it's because we're not pulling in the new information
2: and the new technologies. So, I mean, I think the question and I'm not an engineer, but I'm going to come in with a bit of an engineer's question there in talking about all of these other spaces. So AI and and machine learning and IoT, et cetera, it kind of does it scale. I think there's, there is a question of, okay, if, if RIPE, the community, is bringing in, you know, AI and IoT and all of this stuff, and we, we do have an IoT working group, there has been some effort there, but it, there needs to be some limitations there. You do come back to that question of remit, because otherwise... Um, Yeah, we talked about, you mentioned COVID, the users, the the degrees and the kinds of use of the internet have changed so much over COVID. And I mean, that was a trend already there, but it's expanding to such an extent that how do we cover all that um, with, and, and maybe it's not with the organizations we have, but then also do you simply have a proliferation of limited remit organizations and so how do you sort of envisage that? So I have no idea. But I can paint I can paint
1: scenarios. I mean, who knows? No one can ever say this is how an organization grows. I mean no one could ever do, say that oh the RARs were gonna grow like from where they were into this, this is how it's gonna work. I mean they were created organically and, and went their own routes. Um I could easily see a situation where you've got, you know, say ripe, right? And then the and then you have the division that deals with IP addresses. And then you have the division that deals with this. And they all talk to one another. Oh, we've got some crossover here. Uh, we need some. And, you know, IPv6, I think, is a massively underutilized concept. We've, the, you know, Whenever you talk about, any, about IPv6 in this community, they say, oh, we've got billions of them. You know, And that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, there's billions of them. But there's no real discussion about what we're going to do. with are so many. I don't know what to do with them. That, but, well, let's find out what to do with them, you know. And and the, uh, IBS, IBS, the conversation ip before very expensive, very expensive. ip There's that's tons of them. And that's basically the conversation. <laughs> Whereas if you bring in people who are like, oh, that's great. I could use one million to do this amazing AI thing. And you're like, great. Now, how do we connect the IP sharing? And how do we make sure that that isn't abused and you start using the technology again. So I don't think it's a matter of, like, putting boxes around everything. I think it's just a matter of recognizing that we want these Internet governance organizations to they, – they, there's a whole culture and mindset which built the Internet. We want that to spread to the future Internet. All we're going to end up with the Facebook-style Internet, you know, maximum money, maximum users – what we want is the, we want this ethos of how what made the internet to be extended into the future, and you don't do that by excluding people and saying we only talk about this and we only talk about that. So I could easily I could easily see you know you go to a, a, a ripe meeting in 10 years' time and this whole group doing this and there's a whole group doing that, and also maybe someone gets bored of the IP legacy group and they get interested in the, oh what's the AI group doing, or maybe there's an AI guy who really gets into IP stuff. You spread it around and more interactions. So I think it's just the Internet that we're talking about. And what what, uh, alarms me is that because there are these gaps, what's happening is the very thing that everybody was worried about, which is that governments are going to step in and start doing it their way. And that is exactly what's happening. That's what this community fought so hard to not happen is now starting to happen because we're not looking at the problems that are, that are growing up. So I don't know what the solution is. All I know is I feel like the, the, the Internet ethos is being lost and we're just protecting a small piece of the Internet now, which what used to be the Internet is now part of the Internet. Obviously, from everything you've
0: said, you still see Internet organizations as having uh, an important and positive role to play in, in protecting the Internet. Can you maybe point to some of those examples that still give you confidence in the work these
1: organizations are doing yeah, so yeah, of course, so this, we've put a very critical mind on this the the, <laughs> the truth is is that you know I still love internet organizations, I mean they can be difficult and deathly dull, but doing um extraordinary work what's I mean we're still at this meeting, there's still people coming through the doors and they're still having complicated conversations, and it's still very positive, and there's still this Especially on the technical community. Like the best example, it's hard to sort of tie it together, is like I just said, the pandemic happened and the internet never wavered. And that is an amazing thing. It's extraordinary that there it wasn't you could easily imagine a different world where the stories in the last couple of years were, you know. And the internet is, you know, slow to a dangerous degree again. You could, you know, IP address blocks have run out and, and governments are having to bring in emergency measures. That, by the way, would be the scenario in a government-focused, government-regulated internet. You know, it would start going down. It would, there would start being problems. So, there is, so the, the proof is in the pudding. The internet just scaled to a crazy degree during the pandemic and everyone just like we're not even looking at it because it simply happened but the terms of the influence in terms of the future of the internet if we don't expand beyond this structure that we have right now then it's going to be the government regulated add-ons to the internet and and i i don't think that's as, as good a world our time's nearly up. Um, but
0: one last question I would like to ask before we go is what's the general response been like?
1: If I was to sum it all up, it's people are saying, and I want more sort of precise feedback, really. It's, um, uh, no, that's really, really good, is what Love is. Really good, Kieran. Really good. D- enjoyed that. You identified a lot of problems. I don't agree with everything. Right. And I was like, OK, what don't you agree with? Oh, you know. And it's co- because it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's like I—it's difficult to argue in sort of all these almost abstract terms. The thing people most seem most concerned about, which is what I directly address, which is why it's good to talk to people. was like I'm worried about there being control, and like I—I—I I, 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 I knew this, so I like actively wrote the problem that has been stopping internet organizations from evolving is this fear of there any change to it. Is going to lead to someone else having more control. It's a kind of it's a self-perpetuating problem. So I imagine that's what a lot of people are uncertain about. But broadly, I've had a lot of people um, say, "Oh, that's really good. Um, That was really useful." And my response has been, "Great, discuss it with people. Let's let's have this conversation." Um, And uh, you know, whatever I've written down is is never going to be what actually happens. It's like I've never been in an internet governance organization where there's been agreement on anything ever. So there isn't going to be an agreement on it. But I hope that it will cause people to start thinking and at least identifying, yeah, that is a problem. And if it's, if the solutions I've put out there aren't the right ones, the question is, well, okay, then what is the right one? And then let's figure out what the right solution is. But the path we're on is is, is not a good one. And I'm a little concerned that if we don't start having the conversations, we're going to end up with more regulation and we're going to end up with, you know, the splinter net, which everyone talks about. It's not going to be like that, but we're going to lose. We're going to lose what we've got. That's us for episode six. I
0: really hope you enjoyed listening and I would like to once again thank both Kieran and Chris for taking an hour out of the ICANN meeting to come and talk to me. As usual, you can find links to more information on many of the topics we covered down in the show notes. And just so you know, we're gonna take a break for the summer, but we'll be back in September with our next episode. So do come check that out.